the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Every day is an amazing day and I hope you have had a great day at school. And well, if you haven't, I'll be bringing you all the amazing fun things. So sit back and let's watch the Hi Kids show. Let's listen to the Hi Kids show. This is a show for kids by kids. My name is Ria Mamman and I'm your host for today. Thank you for tuning into 101.9 Chai FM. I have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. To start off, I will be speaking to Dr. Martin Alvey. He is a physiotherapist, so keep listening and you could learn a thing or two. Get ready for a very interesting show on Chai Kids today. You're listening to Chai Kids on 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Ria Immerman and I'm 10 years old. You are still listening to Chai Kids on 101.9 Chai FM. I have Dr. Martin Elvey in me with studio, in studio with me today. He's a physiotherapist, so send in your questions to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, Ria. How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. How are you? Good, and you? Oh, good. <laughs> I'm used to saying that. Uh, let's start with the questions. What is a physiotherapist? Physiotherapist is a person, he's a, he or she is a part of a medical team uh, who helps to heal people. Uh, a lot of different jobs uh, make up the team of people who help. Physiotherapist is one of those. The physiotherapist works in a hospital sometimes. Sometimes they work at home. Sometimes they work in clinics. And they do different things to help people with pain or with moving or learning to re learning to walk again, things like that. Do you work with kids or adults? I mostly work with adults, but I also work with some kids. Who is better behaved? Well, I think the kids listen better, maybe. They're all why? Why do you think so? I think they're used to listening to adults. Maybe that's the reason. Yeah. Or sometimes they're so small they can't help. They're, yeah. they're like one years old or less. Sometimes they treat very small babies. And so they can't talk at all. They just have to listen to me. So they're very well behaved. Yeah. Yeah. But the adults, the adults, most of the adults are well behaved yeah. too. The adults are nice people. What kind of injuries do you work with? Most of my work is, is helping people who've got pain. So lots of people come to me with sore backs or sore feet or sore necks or headaches, all different kinds of pain. And that's the, that's most of my work. I do some, uh, other work sometimes with little children. Sometimes if they're sick, I help them to get better. But most of my work is with people who've got different injuries, like sporting injuries or injuries from lots of times of sitting and computers and things like that or, and car accidents, lots of things like that. Yeah, so basically you reteach people stuff. Sometimes I have to reteach people if they, some people can't have forgotten how to walk, so I can teach them how to walk again, something Whoa. like that. Or teach people how to sit well. If you sit, don't sit well, then you can hurt yourself. Or people to exercise well. Different things that they need advice about. That's, that's part of my work. Yeah. What is the most interesting case you have worked with and why? Well, I must say, I worked with a lot of different people and everybody's interesting. But I've got some really, really fun ones. I've got the guy 
who was riding on his motorbike and he, a car crossed his path and he crashed into the car and he flew in the air and he, he flew over eight meters yes. and he landed on his head. Shame. And luckily he was wearing a big helmet so that saved his life. But his body crumpled down on his on top of his head, Boy, and he true. broke some bones in his back, and he broke some most of his ribs, and he punctured his diaphragm. You know, that's the big muscle yeah. that helps you to breathe. Shame. And he was so so sore. He was a big guy, and he could only move like a little bit. And with him, I helped him a lot. And in the end, he went back to golf. Can you believe that guy? Wow. And that was an interesting one. That I took golf. It. He went to play golf. I mean, he couldn't even breathe, <laughs> and in the end, he could play golf. So that was an interesting patient I saw. How did that happen? So what did you do? So he had um, two broken bones in his spine, right? And it was already about a two years after his accident. And the the bones were so thick and so stiff that that when I eventually managed to move the bones of his, of his spine, the pain started to go. And obviously he was, he could only breathe, only had a little bit of uh, ability to breathe. And his work was in a cement factory which is means the person's that's very dusty. He couldn't cough, and so he couldn't work. And so I taught him how to cough again. I taught him how to breathe so that he could breathe deeply again. And in the end, he could go back to work, even in a place where it was very dusty. He could cough again. And through, uh, through loosening the scar tissue around his, uh, those bones in his back, he really felt so much better. And he told me that his dream was to play golf again. And so I taught him how to play golf again. Really? Yes. And he yeah. did? He did. Yeah. Shall I tell you about another one? Yeah. There was a really interesting guy who came to me, and he told me that he really that he sprained his ankle, which everybody does that, but he said yeah. he sprained it 20 years before. Yes, sir. 20 years before, when he was 14. When he was Why? 14, and he came to me when he was 34. So he told me that when he plays soccer, his ankle always gets sore. So now feet, there's 26 bones in the foot. There's a lot of bones and a lot of ligaments, lots and lots of things in the feet. And so he's got the, the, it was his right foot, and his right foot had a beautiful foot. And he had a nice, you have arches in the foot, and he had a nice arch in the foot. The other foot, his left foot, which wasn't injured, he had a flat foot. Some people have flat feet. Yeah. yeah. So he had a flat foot on the left, and he had a very nice, good arch on the right-hand side. But yet his ankle would always get sore when he played soccer. Oh. So I looked at him, and I did a mad thing for him. I said to him, that actually his natural foot is a flat foot. But from injuring his foot when he was 14, he, he, he somehow taught his foot to lift up its own arch. And uh, he developed a nice, good-shaped foot. But that made him more likely to go over his foot all the time. So he sprained it over and over and over, over again. So what I did was I flattened his foot, which is that's a mad thing. Nobody would think that's a good thing. No mm-hmm. one. And I flattened his foot sore? again. It was a little bit sore, but in the end, because his foot was flat, he never sprained it again. And then I told him when he played soccer, he should just wear an ankle guard. And uh, that's what he does, and he plays good soccer. Yeah, okay. Again. Yeah, there was another interesting one. That sounds interesting. Yeah. It was so we're going to tell someone, <laughs> your natural foot is the flat foot. And I'm going to make it flat again? Yeah. <laughs> very, very weird. He probably went, what? <laughs> and when I told my colleagues, that they went, what? <laughs> is physical therapy only used to heal muscles and tendons? <clears throat> no, uh, physiotherapy is used for um, a lot of different tissues in the body. We use different techniques to try and affect a lot of different tissues. 
And uh, our main job is to help the body to heal itself. It's not that the physiotherapy heals the body. It helps we help the body to heal itself. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the role of a physiotherapist. Do so it's not only muscles. Yeah. Sometimes we work on muscles and ligaments and tendons and bones and joints and nerves and all different parts of the body. But do you have to do different things for different people? Of course, yeah. Everyone's an individual. Like I'm sure you're an individual, right? Yes. Everybody's an individual. So so the responsibility of the physiotherapist is to approach everybody with a fresh mind and an interest in that person and try and work out what's what they're struggling with and try and help them. So that means yes. every person you have to treat as an individual. Do you change your methods as science learns more about the body? Something very important in medicine, generally in all branches of medicine, is to keep on learning because things do change. And so, yes, we change our methods as the as the science develops. That's called evidence. When there's evidence that something works better than we learned in the past, then we try and change. Don't learn, use that thing that you learned in the past. Rather, try and use the new thing which we are certain that helps more. Yeah. So that's better. You've got always a responsibility as as the physiotherapist to do the very best you can for the person. So you have a lot of different things in your, like different arrows in your quiver, like different ways that you can think, do, and you try and use the best for each person. How long have you been a physical therapist? Um, I, I graduated in 1994. That's about 26 years ago. And uh, that's how I started working straight away. But I started a, a private practice. When I moved to Johannesburg in 1995, I started in March the 15th of 1995. That's I've been in practice for quite a long time. What was it called? It's called Martin Alvey Physiotherapist. Oh, like my name. Yeah. <laughs> what subjects do you have to study to become a physical therapist? In school, and like uh, most of the medical subjects, you have to try and do very well in matric. So you have to try and get high marks. The main Things that you need uh, are for university as English and maths, but for physiotherapy specifically science uh, and biology, science specifically physics, uh, because physiotherapy you can hear the name physical, physical <laughs> therapist, physical physiotherapist, and so physics is a very big part of physio. So and there's uh, quite a lot of concentration on physics. In the course, so people, so if a person wants to be a physiotherapist, they need to do English, maths, which is everybody does, but they should do science and biology. It's a really a big help. Yeah. Yeah. What drew you to this job? Um, I think I've thought about that for a lot of years. Like, what made me become one? Because yeah. I, I really love my work, uh, and I think that uh, the very foundational point of it is was a desire to really help people. And I felt that in the medical way, world that I would be able to do that the yeah. best. And I, in fact, I experienced that because on our first day in university, we were about 30 people, and I asked every person, why do you want to be a physiotherapist? And almost everybody said they want to help people. Uh, and you yeah. said also. Yeah, and then also had a bit of a weird thing that I think made me more more motivated to become a medical person was when I went to a hospital, like when friends of mine went to hospital, they used to say they wanted to run out of there. But I went to it, I found that place so interesting that, that I wanted to experience that and walk around and see these fascinating things mm. that were happening there. So I say to people that if you 
If you want to be something medical, you should go to the hospital. If you feel that that place is interesting for you, yeah. so then you know that actually, if you feel like, oof, don't want to be there, you'll know medical is not for you. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather be a doctor or do you like physiotherapy? I love my work. I never wanted to be a doctor, funnily enough. And uh, most people probably did in some stage. Um, I was a sportsman. And so physiotherapy um, works with sports. I had a sports injury when I was 15. And I went to a physiotherapist and it was so interesting. And uh, and so my interest developed from there. And, yeah, I wanted to be a physio, not a doctor. My best friend's dad is a physiotherapist. And I went there once. And um, there was all these pictures of a structure of human body. And I found that very interesting. Yeah. Because I usually am very good at... Uh, my grandfather's an entomologist, oh, and so he knows a lot about insects, and I'd like to learn about humans, and then I saw all this human body stuff, and I found it very interesting. Yeah, I only, don't only work as a physiotherapist, also teach at university. Yeah. So, so I teach at, uh, physiotherapists who are doing a second degree, I teach anatomy, so I know a lot about the body because of that. Do you remember your first patients? My first patient, well, my very first patient uh, as a student uh, was me and five other people. Uh, we stood around this person in Hutteskir Hospital in Cape Town, and we didn't have a clue what to do. <laughs> that was the main thing I can remember from that. My first patient in private practice uh, was an interesting experience because I wa- she came in and I asked her her name. And, you know, Jews are all connected. So yeah. she told me her name, and I said, like, oh, do you know somebody else with the same yeah. name? So she said to me, that's my sister. <laughs> I said, well, I knew your sister from such and such and such a thing. And oh. so it turned out that I, like, I knew this from the Jewish geography game. I actually, like, knew this person very well. Yeah. And that was my first patient in private practice. <laughs> it was like a person I knew the whole family yeah. already except her. <laughs> Were you nervous on your fir- when you had your first patient? Extremely. You are very nervous. I'm see- I mean, you must have been nervous when you had when you your first patient in university because you told me you're standing around the person and you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you you feel nervous when you approach uh, the patients every, all the time when you're a student. Also, you have to have exams and you have to treat the patient or assist the patient in front of the examiners. It's very nerve-wracking yeah. to do that. Uh, and... Uh, so in the beginning, when you don't have any experience, you're trying to learn what you do, and you have to try and work out what's going on. It's not so easy. There's a lot of details um, to think, to remember, and you get a bit stressed, wondering yeah. if you're going to remember everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like taking a cycle test or an exam. Yep. It's like that. I still get nervous sometimes. So uh, the person comes, and you... You've got to feel responsibility, and you've got to know yeah. that uh, you're not the be-all and end-all of the world. Yeah. You know, you've got to be humble. What's your dream job? I'm doing my dream job, Ree. Yeah, I you love my job. <laughs> I love my job. What did you want to be growing up? And funny enough, I always knew I wanted to be like a medical person from when I was very you young. You said you liked the hospital. Yeah, that's was from very young, and... Um, and I think at one stage I maybe wanted to be a pharmacist because our pharmacist, our like family pharmacist, was such a nice person. 
that and then uh, when I was fifteen, I had a sports injury from athletics. And, and you I, went to the physiotherapist, yeah, and, and, I like, went and like, that's what I want to be. I went like, that's what I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Who were your role models growing up? You mean specifically in physiotherapy, or like just generally? Just generally. My role models. I had some uh, very big role models over the, over the years. Um, I think my parents were big role models, and I had big sisters also. Um, big role models. And then um, in school, I had some older boys in my school that um, helped me a lot when I was in school. And, and one or two teachers also um, were good role models while I was growing up. Yeah. You have different role models uh, through your life. So those are the ones when I was young. Okay, so Senna says, did older people always believe you when you told them that you were physi- that you were a physiotherapist when you started practicing, or did they think you were too young? Well, the honest answer to that is I looked so young, because I still look quite young, and I was so young when I was in private practice. One of the... One of my patients asked me when I'm qualifying. So I said, uh, I'm already qualified. Yeah. Yeah, but then I told my wife, I think I'm going to grow a beard. <laughs> because that will make me look older. <laughs> <laughs> Senna also says, how do you teach someone how to breathe if breathing is an involuntary movement? And so that's a very good question. It seems like when we breathe... You don't think about it, and it's involuntary, yeah. meaning that you don't have to think about it, just like your food gets digested. So when you breathe, it's the same thing. That um, It would seem to be the same thing. But the truth is that it's actually not, and that if we had to spend our time thinking about it, we can make ourselves stop breathing. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, we can take a deep breath, we can cough, we can do all <laughs> sorts of things. Yeah, the, the diaphragm is the big muscle at the bottom of the lungs, when it contracts, it pulls down and it sucks the air into the into the lungs. You can stop your diaphragm working if you want, you know. And so it's a voluntary thing, and that's why we can teach someone to breathe. Yeah. How can you stop your diaphragm? You can, do, you you know, if you're gonna like pick up something heavy, oh, right? If you pick up something you heavy and you used to need to lose your whole body, so then you'll fix your diaphragm and your stomach muscles, and you'll pick up the thing like that. You mm. can, and that's how. That's how you pick something up. So your diaphragm is very much a muscle that you can choose to use or not. Mm, but, like yeah. but because like of the pressures else. of in and out the lungs, it becomes unconscious. If we have to spend all our time thinking to breathe, then it would make life kind of difficult. Yeah. Also. There are some people like with a condition called emphysema. Maybe you've ever heard of that? No. It's usually in older people and they really struggle to breathe. They have to think about every breath. So hard. It's really hard. A really hard condition to live with. All you could think is like, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And when you're breathing fast, breathe yeah. in, breathe out. <laughs> it's like your riddle. <laughs> you have to say it very fast. Yeah. 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 Okay. On that note, let's take a quick song break and we'll be right back. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. High Kids, four kids, five kids. My name is Rhea Immerman and I'm your host for today. We have a caller for the tongue twister. We don't, sorry. Oh, now we do. Hello? Hello, Ria. What's your name? Hi, my name's Karen, and you're probably going to laugh, because 
I actually work with Martin. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided to phone in and tell you that probably he was going to tell you himself. But there's a very big difference with the way that Martin works, okay? Yeah. Because I have worked in many hospitals and everything where I've seen many physiotherapists, and Martin works very differently. He is a manual therapist, and he only uses his hands. He doesn't use machines. I've been in situations where there are five rooms, and every single person is on a different machine. Oh. Martin basically uses his hands, and you, he's with you in the appointment, the whole entire appointment. He's so passionate about what he does. I've literally been with him for 23 years. I've worked with him. I think I'm going into my 24th year. And even me, I absolutely love doing what I do. I promise you that people look at me. I like I, I, when I go to work, I actually love what I do. And it's just a whole different ball game to what normal physiotherapists do. He has a passion for what he does, and he's not going to tell you all of this. So I decided to phone him and tell you. So it's a whole different scenario that you like interviewing a physiotherapist because he is very passionate about what he does with patients. So you have to know that it's a whole different game to a normal physiotherapist. So I needed to tell you that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you're not going to like a normal physiotherapist. They put you on a machine. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. See you in three Bye. Days. Okay, now let's ask some more questions. Um, have your role models changed that now you're an adult? Um, yes, <clears throat> very much so. Um, I think everybody has role models and... In my life, I think I've got two kinds of role models. I've got some that are role models for my work, and some, I suppose you could say, for my life. Like my rabbis are my role models for my life, and my and some of my teachers and some of my colleagues are my role models for my work. So those are your role models? Yeah. Different people in different times of your life, they are come and help you. Are your parents still your role models? Uh, sure, my mom is still alive, and she is, of course, my mom is my role model, for sure, one of my important ones. Uh, and my father, unfortunately, died a number of years ago, but my mom's still alive, yeah. If you could have tea with anyone from your childhood, who would it be? Ooh, that's a big question. I think I'd probably have coffee. Uh, instead of tea, and I think I would... It's like the time. I think I would like to. I think I would like to have tea with... With Hilton. I'd like to have tea with Hilton. Who's Hilton? Hilton's like a really old friend of mine from my childhood. He lives in Israel. And uh, I'd like to have tea with him. Why? We were really good friends over then, and he was one of the people in my life at that time. And we spent a lot of years together, and that was a lot of years ago. So it would be nice to have a nice connection with him again. Yeah. Yeah. Old friend. Yeah. What is the hardest part of your job? 
Um, I think the hardest part. I can tell you about some hard, some hard stories I've had. Do you like to hear uh, some hard stories? One time, yeah, a, just a mother brought me uh, her child, twelve-year-old child, and uh, when I looked, so I assessed her problem, and uh, it was very f- strange. And the end, I realized she had cancer. Oh, yeah, and she died eventually from that. Oh, that was so very sad, sad re- very sad. Um, as things like that, sometimes I've got to tell people some sad news. Sometimes I can find that in the body. I've got to tell them some, sometimes yeah, some hard things. Sad. And people don't like hearing about their body not getting better. Sometimes, especially as people get older, the body changes and it doesn't get better. And so you'd have to tell the person you've got to change your ways and live with live with that difficulty. And so people don't like hearing that yeah. and so I don't like saying it. You know, so but And you wanted so to help people, that's some, the whole purpose of Sometimes sometimes you've got to be honest and uh straight uh with people and that way sometimes they can come to accept the wha- what's going on and from there to come to happiness again. Yeah. Mm. That's sad. Yeah, I've dealt with some sad, sad stories over my time. That's the life of anybody in the medical world. Yeah. You're dealing yeah. with people's yeah. lives and you're going to meet all kinds of ones, you know. And yeah. some of just beyond saving. Yeah. Yeah. What is the easiest part of your job? The easiest part of my job is being with people. Yeah. You know, I love people. and you're a people uh, person. Very much so. And so just being with people is already uh, like a very, very lovely thing for me. And so my work is with people. Do you have any pets? I actually do have one pet. We have we have a cat uh, and no dogs. We tried dogs over the past, yeah. but we like the cats. What is his or her name? Her name is Tallulah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But we call her Lulu. Yeah, that's mm. cute. Yeah. Uh, what kind of breed is she? I know a lot about physiotherapy, <laughs> but cats, I just like her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about her breed. I oh, think she's probably a lot of different breeds in yeah. one. Um, does she, is she kind of like a shoulder cat, or does she like to run around? She likes to run around, and she doesn't like to be extremely cuddly. No. She likes to have her body rubbed by the physio. <laughs> she likes that. <laughs> I have a cat who's like that, and she sleeps with me every night. Oh, wow. And she's flatter than, she, her head is flatter than the breed that, um, called flathead. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, yeah. Our she cat also sleeps with us every night. But she sort of like yeah. does her own thing. She walks around my room, and then she yeah. meows a bit, and then she comes sleeps with yeah. me. Yeah, meow. Our cat doesn't meow. <laughs> like a mute cat. <laughs> don't know, don't know why. Maybe when she was little, someone pointed her co- remote control on her and said, mute. <laughs> and then she was like, mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe. She's like, no, now I'm silent. <laughs> so she has to get her luck away by using other methods of communication. Yeah. By rubbing her head against your leg. By scratching the cupboard and making <laughs> a lot of noise. <laughs> How does she make noise if he can't meow? She scratches the cupboard with her <laughs> nails. <laughs> God, I'm sleeping. Stop doing that. <laughs> but I want something. I want food. <laughs> what is your favorite time of day? 
my favorite time of day has always been like this. I like the very early morning. So when it's the day it's still dark and it starts coming yeah. light, that's my favorite part. Yeah. I would, um, I go to Ingolala sometimes, and sometimes I wake up at like five in the morning and I go outside with my papa and we make a fire with my brother. And we make a fire and then we have hot chocolate and we just sit there and we watch all the birds. And sometimes, the one time there was a kudu that came uh, one inch away from Hugo's head. Wow, a kudu? A kudu. Wow, amazing. And it went to drink. We have a little water. A little water pond pond there. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I love that. And it could have hurt us, but it kind of just watched us and it was like, well, you have water, so... Every morning you can feel like the yeah. you can feel like hope and 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 potential for every day. Yeah, we can and hear you, lions every night. Wow, amazing! And there's birds in the morning, and we named all of them. The lions are like my cat; they're yeah. awake at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How does this time resemble your personality? I think I was already saying something like that. That yeah. I, I see in the early morning, uh, the, with the waking of the day, I see a lot of hope. And light coming into and the world. that reflects your personality. Uh, yeah, and that's my personality is like that. Well, that's kind of what you do. Uh, I, re- I always, always, always see a way out. Always. I always see yeah. like a way out. Yeah. If you could visit one place in the world, where would it be? It would be Jerusalem, of course. Why? <laughs> yeah, to visit why? The, if I could visit the temple... If it was rebuilt and I could visit the temple, that, yeah, would, be, that would be great. Yeah, that for me would be the greatest. I've got no real passion to go anywhere else. It's only there. Yeah. <laughs> Who or what would you bring with you? I think I'd bring my family with me. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I, don't, I don't know if it's something. I don't know if I'd bring my stuff in my pocket. I think yeah. I'd bring the, my wife and children. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe you bring a, um, a scratchbook where you stick pictures in. A scrapbook? Yeah. yeah, maybe. Cell phone to take photos. Yeah. <laughs> if you could change the world in one way, what would it be? And you could think anything here. Yes. Always choose. Do you have to choose one word? Not one, one word. word. Not one, one word. One concept. One thing. Yeah. yeah. Always choose to look on the positive side of life. So that everyone, if you could change the world, it would be like, everyone is positive. Nobody is like, oh, I'm not going to do this. Nobody gives up. Yeah. Nobody gives in and nobody gives up. Once you see no hope, then what's going to happen? Exactly. But there's always hope. And that's why I do my work, because I help people see that again. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been interviewed by a kid before, like me? Um, I think I was interviewed by one of my children a few times for (laughs) for a thing, but never have I been on radio, interviewed, never ever been on radio with a kid. Well, this is your first. (laughs) And very lovely. It's been lovely. (laughs) Hope you've enjoyed it, Ree. Yeah, I have. What is pain and why do people feel it? So pain is an interesting thing. Everybody feels pain. Everyone has pain at some times if you scratch yourself or bump your toe or something. Everyone has mm. pain. I hate stubbing yeah. my toe. Yeah, of course. And everybody hates hates it. So sore. So uh, we got to realize, though, that if we didn't feel anything, we were, our body would be damaged and we wouldn't even know. So the pain so, is an important part of our, of our looking after ourselves. And often the pain precedes the injury. 
So if the person has a pain and pulls the, the limb away from the fire before the fire has even burnt it. Or if you just like stand in the fire, I'm like, oh, my leg's burning. Ow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you didn't have like any pain, then you wouldn't do it. But you wouldn't even, you, as your foot got close to the fire, your brain would already say, ouch, it's so hot. And you'd pull your foot away from the fire yeah, before it even goes there. my brother. There. He was toasting a marshmallow over the fire. And he got a bit too close and then he pulled it away. And then the marshmallow came in and we all heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. See, we have a, we have a built-in desire to protect ourselves. Mm, yes. Yeah. So uh, pain helps uh, to message us to act. Even if you, imagine if your nerves weren't connected to your brain, then you would stand in a fire and your leg would be very sore and it would take you like a few minutes to reach your brain. Like, yeah, oh, my leg's burning. Cool. And the brain is the boss of the body. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. Right? The brain, brain controls the body. So all the pain is the brain that tells you that you have pain. And so some people that come and they've got a pain somewhere and uh, have to realize that, that all the pain in the body is really in the brain. And sometimes it's hard for people to understand. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's hard, yeah. Now it's time for Rio's Big Idea of the Week, where I share my thoughts and ideas with the world. This idea for the week is, how come that we have searched our entire solar system and we haven't found any other life forms? Have you ever wondered when, when we're going to find them? Scientists say there's very little chance of there being no, of there not being other life forms we ha- but we haven't found them what if they do exist where we have looked before but we can't see them because of their advanced technologies maybe they're hiding away from us for a reason if that was my big idea if you have any other thoughts and ideas sms them on 34519 or telegram to 61 this has been Five kids, four kids, five kids. My name is Ria Immerman and I'm 10 years old. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Marvin Elvey, for coming to Five Kids. And thank you to my producer, Senna, and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Five Kids show. Goodbye, kids.